This episode of the Narrative Labyrinth is dedicated to the Strange Worlds Travel Agency book series by L.D. Lipinski. Full of adventure, fantasy, friendship, magic and thrills. And is way better than any other magic series we could mention for that age group. So if you want some non-problematic books for your children or young people to read, give this a go. Link's in the description. Hello, my name is Rachel and you're listening to The Narrative Labyrinth. Here in a small corner of the audio internet, we dive into the depths of film, TV, literature and games with some in-depth review and analysis. As I said, I'm your host Rachel and today I'm joined by two guests who I think we all know really well by this point and if not then clearly you haven't listened to any other episodes and you should go listen to those. And we are here to talk about science fiction and Disney or maybe the lack of science fiction and Disney. So please welcome my guests. Hi Bob. Hi, Bob. Oh, hi, Bob. Yeah, I'm Andy. I, I talk about spaceships. I do the whole Benny from Lego thing, but, you know, i got a sore throat and I'm not, I'm not going to go that nuts. But yeah, spaceships. Woo! Uh, and I'm Zoe. I'm back again. And I love Disney. I am here as the token Disney nerd. I think it's fair to say uh, Disney suck at making science fiction movies. Disagree that they suck at doing it. Like yeah. they've done some good films, they just don't recognise they're good, and therefore like leave them to crash and burn in the wasteland and don't advertise that they've made them. So everybody says it's a flop. Okay. Well, and so also, also there's there's you know Disney's been going for uh, quite a while, and there's a lot of films which I would say are science fiction which might not immediately come to mind. Also, we do have to acknowledge uh, Disney being uh, the Borg. Uh, have assimilated both Marvel and Star Wars and Fox, all of which and have Pixar. a lot of sci-fi properties and Pixar as well. So, I, I mean, just through the process of assimilation, they've made some of the biggest science fiction films in history, technically. I guess technically. Hmm. So, so you mean that Disney Studio suck? At okay. Making- so, uh, right, I'll get away from the clickbait title. So, Disney keeps trying and failing to launch a science fiction franchise of its own. They kind of fail with the original attempts, like Tomorrowland in 2015, or any of their adaptions like they did the John Carter series. Ooh, can I, can I, can I lawyer in here a little bit as well? You Cause, can. Because I think that, that might be true in the modern era, but I think if we're talking about Disney, we, we, we must go much, much further back for their first dalliances into science fiction. Uh, and, I, and I'm thinking things like, but they were quite successful, I, I would argue, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, with James Mason as the venerable Captain Nemo, was a fantastic science fiction film. And, and I think relatively popular and you know certainly had something of a lasting impact on the zeitgeist. And I uh, know it's not necessarily a huge success, but we had Tron in the 80s. Oh, we're going to get on to Tron because Tron's an interesting one. It is. Um, but but I, all I'm saying is, you know, the examples you cited... Uh, are both within the last decade or so. Disney, though, many, 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 many more science fiction films from the before times. But none of those, the, ha- the the mouse has never managed to make a science fiction series get going of its own. So ah. you, you've given me you've given me individual films. Yes, I don't disagree. Tron will come back to. Tron is a special case, as it always has been. Yes. Um, but they've been kind of unable to create their own... Franchise? Yeah. But has that been the goal prior to this last decade? Yes. Hmm. So I think 
I actually didn't realise until researching this episode that Disney own the Avatar series as well, which I don't know why that surprised me because they own literally fucking everything. Well, they got out from Fox, didn't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. But basically, I think their science fiction hopes are now rested on Avatar 2, which... <laughs> I mean, I'm, all, all I'm saying, though, is there's a galaxy a, a, a long time ago, far, far away, uh, which exclusively makes science fiction films that I, I imagine... Are they science going... fiction or are they fantasy? Whatever we want to kind of argue the semantics about space wizards uh, using space magic. Um, <laughs> they, like they're, in the, they're, they're in the sci-fi section of uh, Blockbuster Video. <laughs> okay. But if you take Marvel and Star Wars out of the equation... But why Disney... not Fox then? Well, and Fox. Okay. If you and take... Pixar. So this is my point. I I think we're just talking about... Disney, Disney Studios. Studios. I'm happy to include Pixar in that because they've owned Pixar. They owned Pixar then, you know, they've, they've owned Pixar for now nearly 20 years. Oh, wow. That makes me feel old. All right. <laughs> Thanks for that, Rachel. Just <laughs> drop that clangor in there. It's every time we do one of these podcasts with us. She it has is. to find somewhere. Every single time, damn it. <laughs> uh, Dang kids with your facts. <laughs> I wasn't in university when Tron Legacy came out. <sighs> I, 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 I'm literally <laughs> out of fucking university. And I went as a mature student, goddammit. <laughs> Right. Was okay. it 2010? Yeah. Yep. I had a child. <laughs> <laughs> so, back to my original point. If we are taking Star Wars and Marvel out of the equation and Fox, but we're going to leave in Pixar for now, Disney has basically close to zero science fiction movies that have spawned into anything more than an individual movie. And the individual movies, you're talking, you say, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And I think this is where the, the debate is interesting. So, you know, the the title, the clickbait title is Why Can't Disney Make Sci-Fi? I think Disney can make sci-fi. I just think people don't want to see the sci-fi that Disney makes. So, you know, if we kind of look through the list... Um, the list! Li- the list! I literally went to see Strange World which has spawned this entire debate at the weekend. And I thought it was a really good, like, hearkening back to kind of the journey of the journey to the centre of the earth and, you know, those kind of films, if you kind of spliced it with some hope punk. Like, I really enjoyed it. Tomorrowland, I really enjoyed. Like, I thought it was a good message. It was a good film. It was fine. Treasure Planet is freaking amazing. And yep. nobody can take that away because... And you yes. still need to cosplay the captain, damn it. Yes, I do. I need the event where I can cosplay as the captain from Treasure Planet, because damn yep. yes. Um, you also need to be about two foot taller to do that, but that's Shush. Fine. <laughs> Shush. <laughs> um, you know, Lightyear, I again, really enjoyed. Um, I think if I try and think of the, the modern Disney Studios list, the only one I haven't seen, John Carter... And I don't really like Mars Needs Moms, but I think that's mainly because my child went through a phase where they watched Mars Needs Moms like in a loop for a bit. And it wasn't that great to start with. And once you've seen it 10 times in a row, honest to God, it can just die in a fire. I mean, Mars Needs Mums, um, the story is really, really weak. And it's a really unholy hybrid of CGI and early mo-capping. You think it came around the same time as Polar Express and Tintin. And it's, um, oh yeah, it's it's got a look to it. Um, yeah, it does. I, it's not great. Like the child liked it, I did not. 
so I, I, I put it to you. I, I have a theory here, though. Uh, something that I, I think might go somewhere to explain this a little bit. We, we, we've said that we're not including uh, Fox and um, Marvel and Star Wars in, in this discussion. We're kind of looking more at the Disney Studios thing. And, and I think that might be the reason why when we think of Disney Studios, we can't think of the science fiction films. Because Disney's always... Disney has a brand. Uh, and, and I think Zoe could probably speak to this. But, you know, when you say a Disney film, it's a very specific type of film that you think of. You know, there is, there is a it's very It's fairy clear... tales and princesses. Well, it's not that. But I'm just... There, there, is, a, there is a distinct Disney brand. And, and I mean, if, if you look in recent times, you look at things like Encanto... You look at things like uh, Moana. You look at things like Frozen. You go back into the nineties with the uh, you know the, the golden age there, where you had Aladdin and the Little Mermaid, and you have these animations uh, and, and this idea of the Disney brand. But Disney, as a studio, had other brands in the eighties and the nineties in the form of Buena Vista, and Buena Vista did do a lot of science fiction. Uh, and and they did a lot of those sort of films. And I wonder if it's because Disney always used to partition out the science fiction and those sort of films to that brand. That's why we don't think of them under the Disney brand. Because there's films like uh, The Rocketeer. That's a science fiction oh, film. There's that. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, and there's like three films in that franchise. There was um, Flight of a Navigator. Those are all technically Disney films, but we don't associate them with Disney. And I think that's it. And I think that's absolutely right. I think, you know, Disney is basically this giant hive that's kind of brought in lots of different things and it's kind of kept it in lots of different cells. And we've been quite happy with that. It's only kind of recently where we've started like, oh, this is all Disney. Disney's taking over and it's everything. Um but then you look at Disney Studios in isolation and I would agree, Disney Studios has a really core brand. You know, it's very musical, it's fairy tales, it's love. It's, it's very family friendly as well. You've got to hit that core demographic, haven't you? <laughs> absolutely. Um, and every now and again, Disney Studio does something off brand and people don't expect it. So they go see it and they're expecting something that's kind of still within the brand type and can't really kind of cope when it's not. That's not what people go see them for. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just looking here. You've got Touchstone Pictures, which is a Disney brand, and, and the two highest grossing films from Touchstone, which, again, it, it, this is a Disney-owned studio, are Signs and Armageddon. <laughs> Oh, what quality movies they are. <laughs> but unarguably science fiction. Yeah. So I think what we're saying is it's not Disney's core brand. Disney Studios, Disney Animation Studios struggle to make science fiction. I think that's what we're saying. We know they're kind of smaller subsidiaries do. But equally, when we talk about science fiction, again, the science fiction we're talking about are very altered Earth, other than um, Signs and Armageddon, which Torchstone... Um, they don't really do space or spaceships. They're very um, home-based sci-fi, for lack of a better well, phrase. I they think tried. Like the, actual, 
Yeah, I think what the actual difference is, is the audience. So if you look at the the Disney brand, I'm doing air quotes, which I know you can't see audience, but I am, um, of sci-fi, they're still trying to aim for their core demographic of family friendly. So Tomorrowland, Strange World, Lightyear, Mars Needs Moms, they are all still aimed at the age I would go see it, take my child to see them. I would not take my child to go see, well, I might now because he's getting a bit older, but, you know, a couple of years ago. If Armageddon had Disney, the Disney castle at the end, at the start. Oh, yeah. yeah. You wouldn't so, go and see, you, you wouldn't go and see a Disney, it, 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 it's so tonally different, it would give you yes. whiplash. And there's a great example of this, which I think might have been the, 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 the when Disney did try to kind of broaden the horizon into doing stuff under the Disney Studios brand. And this was about the same time as Tron. There's a film from 1979 called The Black Hole, which is legitimately one of the most terrifying cinematic experience I've ever had. Not because it's scary. At least it's not a horror. It's just terrifying. Uh, and and it, it's, it's almost like 2001 A Space Odyssey levels of slow cerebral science fiction it's, it's i tried to watch that once while i was drunk with my best friend and yeah. oh my god we were like yeah. what what's happening this what and i this, this probably traumatized me more than any film but the birds like yeah. dear readers do not try and watch that when you're drunk if you don't know what you're expecting because it's not was, what you're expecting this was branded as a disney film and it bombed hard and it's got a cult following now but I think that might have been when they then started going, okay, you know what, we're, we're going to, we, we have our Disney brand over here for the Disney stuff. And all of this stuff can go and be called something else. I mean, you're talking about kind of um, known as the dark age of Disney um, or the Bronze Age, if you want to put the happy spin on it, that kind of went from the late 70s, including the Black Cauldron, and lasted right the way up until The Little Mermaid, or technically, um, oh, what was the one about the cat, Oliver? Oliver and Company. Yeah. yeah. Um, Billy Joe other, music. Yeah. Um, <laughs> other, basically, The Little Mermaid. And it was this point where Disney had no direction, didn't know what to do. It had all its classics. Um, and it was before it had the Disney Renaissance, which we all kind of know, and that very formatted princess Disney Renaissance of the 90s. Um, and bizarrely now, they then had another dark period at the kind of the the first uh, decade of the new millennium. And uh, to, to get around that, they're just remaking everything in live action. And buying everyone. Oh, yeah, and just buying stuff. Disney made films for young children and girls. Disney wanted to make science fiction because they wanted to tap into a boys' market. They struggled to make their own science fiction, so they brought Pixar. And then they brought Marvel. And, I mean, Marvel was the biggest entry into the boys' market they could possibly get until they brought Star Wars in 2012. And then just to complete everything and to get adults as well, they've got 20th Century Fox. So Disney have gone around assimilating. You know, they had in the early noughties, they had um, Atlantis fail, Treasure Planet, kind of just not succeed in kind of the science fiction. So they went and brought Pixar and then Pixar did make it work. And then they took some of that and had hits with uh, Big Hero 6. So I would argue they didn't buy Pixar to make sci-fi. I would agree that they did buy Pixar to make content that would appeal to a wider audience than princess girls. So Talking stereotypes Story. for boys. Boys weren't interested in princess dresses. Yeah. yeah, but Toy Story, massive hit. 
not sci-fi. So, you know, you can't say... How is that not sci-fi? I don't know. What, Toy Story? Toy Story science fiction. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. No. Yes, it is. (laughs) It's not. It's about sentient plastic toys. What part of that is not science fiction? Witchcraft. Fantasy. Enchanted. At no point does it say they're enchanted. At no point does it say they're technological either. (laughs) Oh, no. I think we've segued this entire podcast. And now the debate is, is Toy Story fantasy or sci-fi? I say it's fantasy because it's the kids' imagination. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Zoe here. Really? We think Sid imagined those toys coming to murder him. Sid clearly had yeah, a Sid has lot trouble, of issues. So, you know, yeah. It was a troubled child there. Uh, yeah. Um, and he, but yeah, no, Pixar made um, co- uh, films that had a more male, uh, boy skewed audience and was a way for, they didn't do musicals. Most Disney stuff had, you know, it's six to ten musical episodes. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with your central premise of it about, about Disney being just to make stuff for, for, for girls. And uh, I, I, I would say that the Disney brand, and I'm thinking the core kind of, oh, look, is Tinkerbell going over the castle and Tinket? It wasn't so much aimed for, for girls so much as it was aimed for younger children with a view on families in, in the sense that you can sit down and anyone under the age of, I guess, eight. And I say this, not having kids and not really having a huge amount of interest in them to know any of these sort of stuff. So again, possibly wildly wrong here, but the, the idea being that it's generally safe middle of the road stuff. It's all kind of drawn out of, uh, you know, fairy tale fantasy stuff. It, it appeals and is, is non-controversial. So, so you can put it on, people will watch it and they will be happy. But I think what we're forgetting here is what was the key motivator for Disney producing content for much of the, the last 50 or 60 years. And I don't think it was to make films. I think the primary motivator for Disney in why they were putting out films, it was to create content for their parks. Because uh, How dare you imply that a company that made five movies about a fucking pirate ride was purely only creating stuff to to sell tickets to a pirate ride? Well, actually, that's, that's weirdly the other way around. You see, I think what what was going on with Disney is they were effectively, the films were just there to brand and market and to attract people to go to their theme parks because I, I saw somewhere, and I think this might have been on the Defunct Land YouTube channel, uh, but basically... Oh, excellent YouTube channel. It is a fantastic YouTube channel. But Disney made so much more money as purveyors of theme parks and hotels than they did from the films. That was their core business. It was the theme park side of things. And what happened is... Uh, they, they, the, the main motivator behind them buying Marvel wasn't to make Marvel films. It was to have that IP to make lands in the Disney parks to attract more people into it. And and I think, you know, the example you cite there of Pirates of the Caribbean and we also saw this with Tomorrowland was them trying to reverse the flow a little bit and try and take some of the existing elements of their parks and, and turn that into film which was just an experiment, I think, that they kind of hit gold with pirates and then, you know, other than that, not really. But I don't think the motivator behind the acquisition of Pixar was to make stuff to appeal to boys. I think it was, A, uh, they wanted access to the Pixar studios because Toy Story was made when Pixar was independent. Hugely, hugely um, 
profitable and profitable with them, especially within the parks. And when Pixar and Disney had their little falling out, which must have been about 15 years ago, and there was the fear they were going to lose the rights to to stuff or, you know, the films weren't going to be as successful. Mm. They said, you know what, why don't we just buy Pixar and just make them make the stuff for us? And anything else they're doing is just kind of gravy on top of that. And I think that was the motivator there. And I would agree in terms of Disney's motivation. So if, getting to a slightly tech nerd point of view here, if you look at Disney's vision statement, Walt Disney set up the company to create, and it was all about create like the happiest place on earth. Uh, Disney is there to create kind of happy memories for children, you know, all of that. I've actually got their vision statement written down somewhere because I use it for training sessions. Um, (laughs) You know, it is all about, you know, for Walt, it was creating those happy experiences, those happy memories, those happy moments for children and for families. Um, interesting little fun fact, um, Walt Disney, when he was looking at setting up his first park, actually went to Efteling in the Netherlands uh, because Efteling already existed by that point and was a really successful park. Uh, and he was like, oh, I'm looking at doing this. You know, what are your top tips? And the people who owned Efteling, who I can't remember and probably would pronounce horribly even if I tried, basically said, our top tip is create memorable characters. People will engage with those characters and then engage with the parks. Um, You know, and they gifted them, you know, some statues from the the characters from Efteling, which, by the way, terrifying, but there we go. (laughs) Um, And that's where kind of the whole brand came from in terms of Walt saying, right, well, I've got Mickey. I'm going to make him the central thing for my parks and grow everything out from there. So then the content was about Mickey to get people to the parks, which was about Mickey. Um, And then it kind of spread out from there. So I would agree kind of the central premise for Disney was, well, what can we create that will get people to buy into it and want to kind of engage with it and then get them into the parks where we'll get more money from. Obviously, we've seen lots of interesting stuff happening with Disney recently where real estate and kind of prices for running, et cetera, have become much more expensive. Therefore, the parks have actually started making less money than the films. So they've been trying to look at ways of, oh, well, actually, if the films are now becoming our money-making thing or if Disney Plus and TV is now becoming our money-making thing, how can we make original content and then get that content into the parks to get people back to the parks? But I think originally it was definitely the other way around. Yeah, I think originally it was definitely the other way around. And I think you're right. I think there's been a switch. I actually wouldn't say they now make the money from film or TV. I think the money is from merchandising. Um, And I think partly, well, we'll get to it, but Star Wars has a big part in that, as does Marvel. Mm -hmm. They didn't buy Marvel for its uh, blossoming publishing arm, you know, (laughs) that had been bankrupt twice. Um, They bought it because it was pre-made characters that appealed to a different audience to that that they already had and were easily merchandisable. Well, I think that was a big problem with the parks. So as a parent who has done the parks, you know, one of the big problems with the parks is your kids age out of them. So I remember I was young when Disneyland Paris first opened and we went and it was great. Uh, And then a couple of years later, my grandparents wanted to take my next set of cousins and they're like, oh, do you want to come? And I'm like, no, I'm too old. I'm too old for that. I'm too old for that. There's nothing there for me. I'm not interested. You mean the Dumbo ride and It's a Small World didn't do it for you anymore when you were a teenager? Yeah, strangely, yeah. Um, Space Mountain, though. That's still killer. 
<laughs> go flirt with the villain Zoe it'll be fine go go um, they just wanted me as a babysitter it was fine but you know you, you age out of the parks um, and I think one of the the main competition was always Universal Studios mm-hmm. you know um, so actually by getting Marvel and by getting Disney they were suddenly able to create content in the parks that would appeal to a teenagers you know those kids that have aged out of the parks they're not interested anymore now they're interested now they want to go because they can engage in the star wars stuff and they can engage in the marvel stuff um so i think that was a massive decision behind kind of trying to get that it wasn't about we want to move away from doing fantasy to do sci-fi it was we want to be able to get content into the parks that will mean that people will keep coming long after the point where their kids are not going to be interested anymore Thank you both for that amazing segue. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, going back to my original fucking point, you know, um, <laughs> and not this uh, 20 minute detour that we've just taken, but cheers. <laughs> um, that's fine. Um, do we think audiences are scared to watch non-franchise movies, particularly science fiction? I... I don't know on that. That's probably more of an Andy question. Well, it is huge, but it is a little chicken and egg. And I think this is it evidence is. in the Strange World. Uh, I think because because this is a film I I didn't even know existed. Uh, Nor did I. I. You know, you you told me about this. You know, Disney has done a Journey to the Center of the Earth uh, science fiction film, which looks absolutely fantastic, and it's the I believe the first time an openly LGBTQ uh, character in the lead, and heard nothing about this and a, a certain amount of the discourse has now been swallowed up for oh they kind of drowned it because of the representation and the lead character but it, you know equally so it just could be uh because of the um it, it, it being a science fiction film kind of away from disney's core brand I, I i don't know i haven't seen the film so i can't really comment i mean also i don't know if the film's good you're both saying it's good i believe you there but i haven't seen it so i can't uh, i do not think i do not think it will go down in history as a missed disney classic it is a above. So it's no Black Cauldron, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's 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 above average. It's good. Mm. It's got some good colours in it. My personal biggest annoyance with it is Disney have got this art style at the moment that I'm not particularly fond of, um, which is the no straight edges and big round round face and noses look, which um, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, does does it have does it have though, a kicking soundtrack by Lin Manuel Miranda? No. Then I'm not interested. I'm out. Don't want to know. <laughs> what it had for personally, right? Stranger Worlds, the biggest jarring world. experience. Strange world, whatever. Um, right. <laughs> two my two biggest whiplashes with it. One, it has the most fucking forgettable title of a movie ever made. Um, like, you have no idea what this is about. This could be a documentary about wallabies for all anyone knows, or it could be about moon dust, or it could be a psychological thriller. Like, literally, the title gives nothing away, uh, which is a consistent problem Disney do with their movies by having shit names like John Carter, a film called John Carter. I mean, that's not really Disney's fault, though, is it? Yeah, it is. It was meant to be John Carter of Mars, and they decided to drop the of Mars because Mars Needs Mums did so badly. So they actively I've... decided to just go with someone's name that no one had ever heard of. Like, what What was that about? I think the whole thing with a John Carter is... It, the, the problem with John Carter, if people aren't familiar with, John Carter is, I believe, a 1910 serial. 
uh, and not not the kind of serial you eat. I mean, serial of novels mm-hmm. that came out then. And it's hugely influential. It's influenced Star Wars. It's influenced Buck Rogers, influenced Flash Gordon. It's, it's kind of the genesis for that kind of action adventure science fiction. And so when you make a film of that after everything that has come after it has already had a film made, it's going to seem derivative. So but that whatever was... you do with it. <laughs> Load the review. If you go back and read the reviews from 2012 when John Carter, not of Mars, came out, uh, non uh, film educated or people that didn't know it was an original, you know, an, an, an OG franchise of books went, oh, it's like, uh, it's like Star Wars and Flash Gordon and Avatar, but not as good. Well, it was the original. But yeah, I. That is so, but my point with Strange Worlds is that the title's forgettable, it doesn't tell you anything. Also, there's a very good science fiction show, uh, called Strange New Worlds out at the minute, which is very similar and very confusing having two of them out. And there's also Outer Worlds, which is a really good, um, uh, computer game, yeah, but it doesn't have Anson Mount in it, so no. And um, there is also uh, a set of books which are the child's favorite books. Um, which are the Strange Worlds, and he got really excited when we were going to go see the film because he thought they'd made a film of his series uh, favorite book series, and then was really disappointed when he found out that it was not related in any way at all. He still really enjoyed it, but he so did. we've we've just come up with four separate uh, entities that have almost identical titles from four separate different places that are happening at the same time. So it's, clearly... it's that meme from uh, Dexter, isn't it? Surprise, yeah. motherfucker. Surprise, motherfucker. All rise, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> yep. Um, so uh, the title is, is one problem with it. Um, my second really jarring element is I know it's not a musical, but it had no music as such. And it did have a clip from uh, a band I really like, Caravan Palace, and it just had like a 30-second bit of one of their songs from an album that came out like 15 years ago. And although it fitted within the film, it was just really... It was the only piece of kind of pre-existing music. All the other music was very kind of as you'd expect fitted in very kind of backgroundy there was no strikeout bits and it was just a weird kind of it felt really really like someone wanted to include this piece of caravan palace music and they just put it in there um and it was good but it was just weird um but yeah i think the the title is a big struggle so considering strange worlds has come out on thanksgiving weekend which is one of the big you know it's it, it, the three big uh, summer blockbuster dates for America and we are talking America here I guess because it's Disney is July 4th weekend Thanksgiving weekend and Christmas so it's really interesting that they managed to fuck it up well I'm also wondering though is and once again with this came I don't really know anything about a film or its development process but you know we're coming out of the spicy flu uh, season well I say we're coming out of it but you know in, in terms of things being open and available and there was a huge push to push things onto Disney Plus, that seemed to be where their kind of pivot was. Now that has changed a little bit in the last six months, with people suddenly realizing that no, people actually do want to go to the cinema and see stuff, and it can be profitable to do that. Is there a chance it was a late decision to actually put this in the cinema, and they just didn't have time to to run a marketing campaign for it? And they figured we'll throw it in, we'll just see what we get, and then we'll just throw it on Disney Plus, and we're golden anyway because our main driver here is getting it on Disney Plus. 
Possibly. I mean, Disney Plus, Disney are the only reason that stuff stays in cinemas for the length of time it does before it comes on to um, originally VHS and then onto TV. Like that entire kind of process was dictated by Disney that they wanted nine weeks at the cinema. They then wanted a gap before it came onto DVD. And then they wanted like two and a half years before it came on terrestrial television. Like that was Disney. Disney pushed for that. Oh, yeah. Um, and you couldn't you couldn't even go and buy the VHSs uh, sometimes, could you? Because they'd be available for a period. This is before your time, Rachel. But me and Zoe remember this. What's you a VHS? Go and get... Yeah, yeah, quiet you, quiet child. We're speaking. The adults are speaking here. But you know, you couldn't get uh, a a a, DV, a VHS sorry, uh, at certain times. They were available for like a year, and then they went back into the vault, and that was yeah. it. Yep. And, and then you had to pay extra to get like the the from the vault VHSs, like they were like the collector's edition ones, and. Oh. Have you not seen people selling? Um, so, uh, one of my favorite things is seeing people trying to um, overprice their old Disney shit. Um, <laughs> like, yes, I've got the Cinderella VHS from the Black Diamond edition vault release. It's fucking Cinderella in a white case. Like, no one cares that much. It's a VHS. Um, but it always amuses me. But yeah, Dis- Disney kind of um, pre-streaming worked very much on this uh, short-lived exclusivity of, of, of having stuff released. Um, and I think, yeah, the pandemic massively changed that. You think Raya and the Last Dragon, fantastic movie, um, did really well, did like something like tw- uh, 200 million, uh, which was actually pretty good considering it was released in the middle of a pandemic and kind of straight to streaming. Um and Lightyear was literally lightning fast from cinema to, to Disney Plus to the point where I think Disney have kind of shot themselves in the foot now. And people expect it to be on Disney Plus. I know people who would go and see movies and they're like, oh, I'll just be on Disney Plus in like four weeks. I'll just wait for well, it to the come same, out then. In the same like month, I think, I don't know if it was the summer holidays, but I took the child to the cinema three times to see something. And free guy we went to see at the cinema and the following day it came out onto disney plus and i was like what come on like at least pretend at least give me a week's break that's irritating yeah raya was obviously out and there was something else we went to see and it came on to disney plus really quickly and i was like why would i bother going to the cinema if literally i can wait a day and it's going to be there because so. Disney know that's not where their money is anymore. Their money is not yeah. in the cinema. Their money is not in the parks. Their money is in merchandising. And this is where I, I think Disney get it wrong with their science fiction is most of their science fiction that they produce, that Disney produces, doesn't have much, merchand- mer- much merchandising opportunity. Well, I, I, to, to just... Uh... Quick point going back to the discussion about the Disney release schedule. Uh, they've just fired their CEO and brought back the last one because they really didn't like I mean, the yeah. way the other one was handling. Bye, Bob. <laughs> Bye, Bob. Um, um, I mean, so, he made some very unpopular decisions. Well, very unpopular. And, you know, it, it, it hurt. It, it, it hurt, you know, because he was very focused on getting stuff on the streaming. You know, it was streaming first. That's why Obi-Wan is what Obi-Wan was rather than a, a, a cinematic release. It was because he pushed to have it as a series. Um, but some of the decisions he made in the park affected that. And that's what really got him uh, booted. It wasn't the decisions he made on the filming side of it. It was decisions which affected the park. But that's a discussion for a different day and possibly on, on a different podcast. But to your point about the merchandising side of things, uh, uh, certainly today, 
I, I think Disney just perhaps don't feel they need to because they have the single biggest science fiction marketing machine history has ever known. The, the, the thing which is responsible for movie marketing, they own it. Yeah, Star Wars, just in case anyone's wondering. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. I thought you meant... Never mind. <laughs> no. I mean... But you... I, think it's, I think it is a fair point that, you know, if you look at the Disney Studios sci-fi films, other than Lightyear and... Which is Tron, Pixar. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you'd really market a lot of those i don't know what merchandise you'd have and that kind of thing like i will I pay money would... i will pay cash money right now for a rocketeer jacket and jump pack i'm just saying yes. okay someone makes that i will pay it right now yeah and like i would totally have a plushie of the captain from treasure planet a but... plushie would you yeah huh? that's what i'm going with i'm sticking with it but not, so they are not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anthropomorphic body pillow um, oh it's got weird okay we might need a moment <laughs> <laughs> there will now be a brief intermission yeah. <laughs> um so the disney what i've labeled as disney wins for science fiction again this is pure disney um with a little bit of pixar in there as well but disney we had 2001 lilo and stitch mm-hmm. which had really really I, easy what i just i I, I know it is, but I just never think of Lilo and Stitch as But sci-fi. that's my point. You don't think of it as science fiction. It's science no. fiction, but you don't think of it as science fiction, so it, it works. But they had the cute little Stitch, which boys liked because he was messy and funny and, and boy-ish and blue, and girls liked because you get a soft plushie. You know, it was all about family and love. It like Stitch was a really easy, um, merchandisable object. And then but had- I, I will say about Lilo and Stitch, we think of it very fondly now. It wasn't viewed as a commercial success at the time. It, no, I would no, not say that's it. Yeah, like at the time, that bombed. Like that no, did, it did not do. Mm. It, it, it may not have bombed, but you know, it, it was on the back end of that renaissance. It was at the back end of that period of the nineties where everything Disney touched was gold, and it, it started to get shaky with Hercules. And then you had, which is a great film. I love it. But my point is, in 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 the annals of history, when you think of the Disney like huge success stories of, of that time, Lilo and Stitch isn't in the conversation because of how yeah. big Lion King was, because of how big The Little Mermaid was, and and you know those films. This was certainly I mean, on that's that. Like saying there's no Disney, um, there's been no big Disney movies um, other than Frozen and Encanto. It's the same. The highs are so extremely high. Almost everything else looks crap in comparison in terms of performance. Well, I mean, and, and that is that is probably a discussion which takes place, though, when they are looking at commissioning films and projects. They're going to look at the highs. And that's probably why a lot of yeah. Disney films today look like Frozen and look like Encanto, because they say that made all the money on the planet. And this yep. film just made a lot of money on the planet. We want all the money on the planet. So, yeah. Lilo and Stitch, not a musical. No. No? Uh, but space, but hidden space, because it was all... But it, it, it did really well. It was easily merchandisable. 2004, yeah. The Incredibles, which I know is technically Pixar pre-Disney. Um, I mean, there's no technically about it. It It is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but D- Disney made some big wins on The Incredibles once they bought it. They did video games. They did a lot. They really pushed the franchise after that. Because, it was again, it was an easily merchandisable franchise it was basically the fantastic four and marvel before they owned marvel 
with a with a bit of a spy thriller and stuff going on there as well. There's, exactly. there's more than a little bond in yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, I love the incredible the jazz soundtrack for the Incredibles is great. But anyway. Yeah. Um you then had Wally. Wally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but again I, 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 I think of, of the ones you've listed so far, the one that is the, the, the most science fiction y of all of these films. Yeah, ironically. Um but Wally hit a really easy point. It really it touched people. It was it made real use of people having proper widescreen at home and proper HD at home again once it came round to it. And it hit the right notes. Wally was a fluke, in my opinion. Wally should have bombed, except they did decent marketing for it. And Wally was an easy toy to make. The robots are easy toys. They learned that from watching Star Wars. Robots make easy toys. Kids. But like again, them. I counter. It's branded as a Pixar film rather than as a Disney film. Well, yeah, I said Disney slash Pixar win. No, I, I get that, but my this kind of goes back to the point we were making earlier. I I, I think Disney do make science fiction films and some of the science fiction films have been very successful but they're not branded as disney except big hero 6 which a fantastic film which i love but again i don't think is viewed as one of the big disney success stories um it, disney view it as a success story but it's not people i always think big hero 6 is pixar and it's not it's straight out disney yeah it's disney animation studios so Big Hero 6 is a is another interesting one because I think, again, now it is viewed as a success. But at the time, this is the, the high highs and the medium highs conversation again. It Big is, Hero yeah. 6 was not a high high. Also, technically a Marvel property. Uh, yes, technically. But released as a Disney before. No, I'm saying it, it was a comic series before it was a film. Yes, it was it was a Marvel comic series, but they didn't release it as a Marvel film. They released it as a yeah. Disney film. Yeah. But but uh, once yeah. again, it's 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 an adaptation of something that already existed. I, I'm being massively pedantic because I can, but it's a case of. I mean, we're three white people on a podcast. I think we have to be pedantic. I think it's, that's it's, like, it's true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm slightly uneasy that neither of you have beards. If I'm honest, but you know, I'm making oh. allowances here. Are we not each other's beard? Like, wait, is that not how that works? <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> You need a beard oh. of holding to speak on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but can, can I count with so, so? Can I just kind of give you some other what I think of our actual Disney wins on science fiction? Well, I just want to say I yes. think Big Hero Six was a win because again, it had a cute, marketable element. It had the superheroes, which you could make into toys. You had the superhero elements you could make into toys, and then you had Baymax, and Baymax was really, really, really easy to merchandise. Now you can all all. All very true, but I, I, I think I, I think there's a little bit of lawyering going on in, in that being a success. Maybe not deliberately, but that was I think that was post uh, the Marvel acquisition. So although it wasn't branded as a it Marvel was, film, yes. I think they were able to lean into a lot of that part of it. I mean, it even has Stan Lee doing a cameo in there. So if people weren't necessarily paying attention, it, it it's just it's a Marvel film. The animation style is very similar to Pixar, and I think that kind of got away from it. And I don't think I don't think if you go and ask people, is Big Hero Six a Disney film? I think they're more inclined to think of it as a Pixar film. I completely I think, agree. I constantly yeah. forget that it's Disney. Yeah, but uh, so some science fiction films that I think Disney have done, which you know are unambiguously kind of you know I, I think Disney ones, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids series. That's branded as Disney, and I think that was a huge hit in the eighties. Now, this is obviously before your time, Rachel. But if you can, if you can imagine, uh, Rick Moranis shrinks his kids, and then they have to fight off 
like a giant ant, and then they get stuck in cereal. I mean, there was a ride from that, I think, at Disney Studios or something. Uh, the Rocketeer, as we mentioned, never quite got to the big heights and successes, but I think a successful Disney science fiction film. Uh, and Flight of Navigator. Banging soundtrack from the Beach Boys, What's Not to Love. So I actually think Strange Worlds has some world. element. Huh? One world. Strange world. Strange world. See? Problem with the title. I think. And my <laughs> surname's strange, for God's sake. Like, if I can't get this right, then there's no hope. Um, terrifying. Um, I remember my point. God damn it. Oh, Strange World has a lot of those kind of... Um, Strange World does retro in a really interesting way. Because it doesn't do nostalgia but it does a lot of the kind of steampunk rocketeer kind of shapes, textures, colors, and this kind of adapted sci-fi, but then use it as hope punk, which we don't often see. We normally see hope punk as a split off of cyberpunk rather than a split off of kind of steampunk. Um, and it totally is. I mean, that's one of the reasons I think it's actually a, a good film and really enjoyable was it starts off with the old school narrator, Alan Tudyk, um, kind of doing his his intro like a 1950s film or even a 1920s Oh, it sounded like you had Matt Berry there for a second. Yeah. I'd like to hear him do an introduction to a Disney film. <laughs> yes. Um, but, it, but it even starts, they're opening a book and it, it starts with an opening of a book of and a closing of a book. Like it Comic. Goes... It's the opening and closing of a comic. It is a, a serial comic series set around the central family and their explorations. But the reason it has failed is because it has no cute marketable thing in it. Like I, so so I don't think you can say that at this point, because no, look, look, it's it's entirely possible the film will be forgotten by the annals of history. But Disney have clearly failed to market this in any way. They 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 done fucked up here. There's there's no argument there. But we have to remember that the way people consume media today is very different to what they did back in ye old times. Uh, before times, you know, they're not going to have to wait the two years before they can get access to the VHS from the Disney vault because this is going to be available on streaming in what forty-seven days, I think it is at the minute. In yeah, sort of it will be January uh, when we're all cold, miserable, sat at home, hopefully with the electricity on, but who knows? It might be a blackout. Yeah, and I'm wondering if you know it. It, it, it may yet find its audience. I mean, Big Str Hero Six found its audience after its cinematic release. You know, it. it, it I think we have to bear that in mind when we're having these discussions about whatever. It is. And they're going to be looking at those analytics through the streaming services. And if they're seeing a huge amount of people watching it on Disney Plus, they're going to go, yeah, OK, we'll do this. It will go straight to Disney Plus to the streaming services and, and you know, it, it can find its voice there. And I think it will. I think it's got a it. It'll do much better on streaming than it did at the cinema. I like it hadn't occurred to me, but I kind of wonder and you know, potentially agree with your point earlier Andy of is this a case of Disney had a slot and we're like oh why don't we just throw it in there did they ever plan to put this out at the cinema because it literally had nothing like I learned about this from TikTok because of course I did um well, no, and I learned, learned about you learned it about it on TikTok from someone saying it had been boycotted because it had a queer character yes, you didn't exactly. even learn about it because the film was coming out you learned about it because people were complaining that people didn't know the film was coming out because of the wrong reason 
Yeah, so like I have seen all of this stuff saying, oh, it's it's because it's failed because it's woke because you know it's got a queer character and the family are like, you're like the mum's black and the dad's white and then you've got the child who's now gay and black and you know it's got disabled people in it and like the president's a woman and oh my god it's so woke that's why it's failed and it's like really funny though is they keep going on about it being woke because it's got people of color in the lead and and a mixed racial family and it's got a queer character the real reason it's woke the absolute real reason that is being completely ignored because they're too thick to get it is this entire movie is an anti-fossil fuel and pro yep. um green energy message and that is a bit that they're missing every time and the fact that we as people have to make sacrifices on our energy usage and our consumption to be green because literally this whole movie is they are killing their home world by using this plant that creates electricity. Yep. I mean, it's I'm a complete th- green film, which is the same as Tomorrowland. So Tomorrowland, everyone was like, oh, George Clooney, and oh, it's going to be exciting. And then everyone was like, whoa, 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 hang on. This is an environmental message. Burn it. Burn it with fire. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking here on the Wikipedia Fossil fuel page. fire. And, you know, it says here this film was only like announced in December of last year. Yeah, it now, got a 30 second trailer and that was it. But my point is, the film was in development a lot longer than that. You know, it, ta- it takes longer than 11 months to put one of these films together, which I think kind of adds credence to the idea that this wasn't originally planned for a theatrical release. Because when you do a theatrical release, you announce quite a far in advance, you kind of build up hype, you get trailers, and, and, and you, you do that kind of push. You know, they spend as much on marketing uh, a feature film as they spend making it to kind of ensure a return which is why as a rule of thumb for any film to be viewed as profitable it's got to double its money back just to to break even also just reading here you know disney decided not to release this theatrically in over 20 countries now that to me says they were always planning to kind of throw this on disney plus and they just decided to sod it let's just throw it on the cinema see what happens you know uh we've got a slot why not I don't think this went in with a proper marketing plan behind it, which is kind of damning that they kind of shot themselves in the foot with a good film. But I don't think it being science fiction is the reason that it flopped or necessarily the um, uh, representation in in the main character. It It's just Disney done do fucked up. So I'm on the Disney store right now uh, in the UK and America, which are the two main audiences we're going to look, I would say we're looking at. And I've gone to the strange world section of the disney store it says at the top join the clades and explore our collection of strange world merchandise including clothes soft toys and more how many items do we think are in this shop two is this because you also have the page open no i didn't even think about going there and i'm now going because there's stuff and i'd buy it uh no there's not there are two items there is a 12 pound uh limited release pin that says let's go make history which has little to no relevance to the movie itself. And then there's a Disney store Strange World t-shirt for kids, which is pink, very, very, very pink, and features the lead character and his mum in front of what looks like bronchitis. (laughs) Okay. Um, Or COVID lung. For, for me, just further feeds into this sense that they weren't plan. They, they're not prepared for the release of this film. No, this it's so. But 
to release a movie this close to Christmas without any real merchandising opportunities. And the film, it doesn't have, you could potentially the ship you could release as a toy. Um, I, I think, I think if, if this film lands on Disney plus and it is successful, also, if they weren't planning to release it before Christmas, but things have been moved around in, in the shuffling of the decks to maybe make allowances for another film which wasn't ready or something they wanted to move around, you know, it takes six months to a year to kind of get merchandising stuff spun up to speed to get the toys out, which is why all of the leaks and all of the spoilers always come from the toy stores. You know, it's always... Oh my God, Lego toys give you, like, always tell you what's going to happen in a Marvel movie beforehand. Lego is renowned for it. So so I, I think... My guess would be that Disney were not planning to release the film theatrically before Christmas. And for reasons internal, which we're not privy to and probably never will be, it was decided to release it before Christmas, decided to put it out on a, a cinematic release. There was a slot suddenly opened. It was the film that was ready to go out. It's bombed because they haven't marketed it on any of it. But Disney are big enough that they're just going to ride over this marketing. In fact, they're probably quite happy it's getting some attention in terms of people talking about it because they know when it does come to Disney+, Plus, people will watch it. People will watch it to see what was the fuss all about. People will see it because they missed a chance to see it and people will see it because they loved it. And then next year, next Christmas, if we get back together and we say, what's the Disney store got now for Strange World? I imagine there'll be a lot more. I wondered if they are going to do a TV series based off of it, a cheap animation TV series. It would lend itself really well. Mm -hmm. It would lend itself super well. Like they've done uh, several for Big Hero 6, which would landed really well. This is another one that actually would really support that. But I think as a film itself, it is going to sit in the same space as Treasure Planet and Atlantis as this kind of loved uh, hidden gem of Disney. Um, And again, both of those difficult to to market and merchandise um and we've right we've spoken around marketing for a while now let's actually talk talk about marketing disney cannot market science fiction movies that they produce they don't actually know what to do they don't have any of their key points that they normally uh advertise on any of their key kind of uh talking points that they market on so they flounder and don't do anything well yeah there's no princess dress to you know, sell. There's no little figure toy sets, really. There's no, there's there's no n- sing-along soundtrack. There's no sing-along soundtrack. There's no cute animal sidekick voiced by Alan Tudyk. It's in their normal wheelhouse. I mean, it's deeper than that. Strange world. I have no idea how you'd actually market. I, as someone who has worked uh, close to that industry for, for a while, I don't actually know how you'd go about marketing Strange World because the story concept doesn't really fit as an easy to market piece i mean i can't talk about it because i haven't seen it yet <laughs> but i can talk about treasure planet suppose and and there's a lot of marketing opportunities there but i think the problem with treasure planet is it came out about 15 years too soon mm-hmm. if, if treasure planet was to come out today in in the media landscape we have today and with uh you know the, the things we have in terms of rapid prototyping and and the, you know more availability of 3d printed and die cast model kits i guarantee you you would have models of uh the ship in in there the little spaceships you'd have little model figurines uh, same with atlantis as well i think that in that period of time when those films came out i don't think disney particularly cared so much because as i say their primary focus was just driving people to the parks and 
their creators, I mean, you know, you mentioned earlier about with Treasure Planet, the guys who did Aladdin in The Little Mermaid. Treasure Planet was a passion project for them. And I think they only agreed to do Aladdin if they were allowed to do Treasure Planet. Correct. So it was a case of Disney were like, okay, fine, just go make your film. We don't care. And I mean, Treasure Planet did something really interesting. Treasure Planet is an extremely pivotal, pivotal, uh, Treasure Planet is a really pivotal point in the creation of film because it was a blend of traditional and CG and is one of the most expensive kind of animated films ever made because of that. So it's really difficult that we call Treasure Planet a flop because it was only a flop because it cost so much to make because it was pioneering technology. To be clear, neither me or Zoe have called it a flop. No, well, but it is deemed <laughs> it's deemed a failure, a science fiction failure. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think you're I think you're right. Treasure Planet and Atlantis they don't fit within the uh, style of films they were creating at that time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the merchandising, you know, Treasure Planet, you'd 100% have limited edition pin sets now. You'd have uh, probably less clothing, but you might do. But yeah, you'd have models, you'd have cosplay kits. You know, adult adult fandom is such a bigger market than it used to be. And actually, they, they fit within that box really so well. And- Disney is a is a conveyor belt. It's a machine. It, it it knows how to kind of market and stamp things. It knows what it will market and stamp, and it puts more weight onto some of those than to others. And since it was primarily trying to drive people into its parks, I mean, hell, they have cruise ships these days. You know, I mean, you can literally go on a Disney themed cruise, but which, none of them have frankly, anything to do with Atlantis, despite the fact they <laughs> literally have something about Atlantis. Atlantis takes place under the sea, and I, 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 I'd also point out that yeah, since they now own Fox, they also own the Titanic. There's, there's certain things you don't want to be advertising <laughs> on your cruise ship. <laughs> so a cruise ship about twenty thousand leagues under the sea, bed knobs and broomsticks, Atlantis and Titanic. You don't think is the way forward? I'm just saying it's a very niche market, but perhaps wouldn't appeal <laughs> to the broader thing. But what, what we have seen now is them doing, and, and this is a weird one. A Star Wars themed cruise, although it's not actually on a ship, it's in a hotel. It just kind of pretends it's a. Yeah. Oh my god! Ship. Have you That's seen weird. how shit it is, though? I've seen that it does not seem to be at a price point that would interest me. Yeah. <laughs> you mean you're not going to pay five thousand dollars a person to go in a room with no windows? Uh, you are correct. I think there's a really interesting point, though, um, about Disney knows what is going to be mass market successful and it knows what's not going to be and you know we can talk about flops and bombs and utter failures <laughs> but there is something in there about disney still making time and space for you know passion projects or or smaller stories so i think there's something about disney knows i guess what margin it's got because it's putting things like Frozen out there, which will just keep making money until the cows come home. And that gives them the space to play around and tell some more interesting stories that might have less appeal. You're being very good natured about this. They're still making these stories. They, they haven't yeah. turned around and said, OK, we're never doing that again. That was a huge mistake. They are still making it and doing a voice. And I think that is because Disney are able to look at the analytics to see who is coming to the parks? Who is watching this? Where are we making the money? Because make no mistake, 
Disney are not doing this out of the goodness of a heart. They are doing it to maximize their return to shareholders. And they're looking at that and they're saying, this makes financial sense for us to do it. And they are continuing to do it. It, it, It's very easy for us to all forget that Twitter is not reality in in the sense of just because the voices on there are very loud going, (laughs) yeah, it was woke and it was shit. That doesn't reflect who's watching it on Disney+. Plus. I agree. There are two movies on that that we are talking around that I think Disney did get wrong with its marketing for two different reasons, um, both being sci-fi, and I think that is John Carter and Lightyear. And I think there's some different reasons for both. So I think the issue with John Carter is they were very clear they were trying to start their own live-action science fiction franchise. Um, but then in the process of making this movie, they brought Star Wars and they didn't need to do it anymore because they'd literally brought the biggest science fiction, though we all know it's actually fantasy, series in the whole wide world. They no longer needed John Carter of Mars or not of Mars. They didn't need that new series. They had one. They literally bought one home. When did, when did they actually buy did, uh, Star Wars? 2012 and John Carter was released in 2012. Okay, so I, I mean, that, that that's a great point. And I, and I think John Carter, I, I think without the purchase of Star Wars, Disney might have done a, 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 a better job of marketing it and B, potentially have gone back and re, revisited it. But I think the other issue with John Carter that might have made it less attractive to Disney is its public domain. <laughs> the, I think the three things that screwed up John Carter, and I do think things screwed up that movie that wasn't the movie itself, Um they spent so much money on it. The only way it could be a profitable film was if it was in the top 10 um, films released. It had to be um, in the top 10 all-time grossing films of 2012 to be successful. And think of what other movies came out in 2012. You had Pitch Perfect, which did really well for its small budget. Uh, the Hunger Games, which did extremely well and launched a franchise. You had yep. the Last of the Dark Knight series. Um, that really, really Avengers sm- came out. Oh, well, I was just about to say you had this really small movie called The <laughs> Avengers that came out that year. Um, you also had The Hobbit that came out this year. That year, you had Skyfall. You have Les Mis. Um, you had some really, really big. The Amazing Spider Man. There were some massive movies that came out that year that would hit a lot of the same space. I, I mean, I, I think with the John Carter one, I, I think there was a lot of... Another movie, that... Dread. Don't know if you heard of that one. I, I, I promise you Dread wasn't competing with John Carter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, no, it, it did worse. Um, but... I, I, th- I, think, well, I, think, I think with John Carter, I, I think that was a, a... I think A, a failure of marketing. But I, as you say, I think once they knew they were getting Star Wars, they were like, who cares? We 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 got Star Wars. Just just why just, would, just kick it out there. We'll, we'll take a bath on this. It's fine. <laughs> why would you put all that effort into marketing a new film? And the film, if you ever watch the film's not bad, but it is absolutely start. It ends on a cliffhanger. It is starting a franchise. They they made this movie to be the start in a franchise. They'd seen how well franchises were going because they had. Um, the Harry Potter franchise, the Lord of the Rings franchise had been and gone, and they were doing the Hobbit. They had the you know they they done the they were doing the first Avengers movie that year, the Spider Man ones. They knew franchises were the way forward. They were building John Carter, not of Mars, 
to be the well, star. Technically, that... it should be Princess of Mars. Well, yes, but they didn't want to put Princess because they were trying to uh, make science fiction for boys. So they turned it to John Carter and then they got rid of the of Mars because 12 months earlier, Mars Needs Mums did really badly and they didn't want people to think it was a sequel. So oh, well, <laughs> Disney screwed its own movie over. Basically, it cost so much. It was almost impossible to make its own money. They made a crap movie the year before, which had one word the same in. So they 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 lost face on that. And then there was not really any point starting your own franchise because, hey, we've just brought Star Wars. So I think John Carter was really, really screwed over by Disney on several different levels. I'm, I'm actually yeah, just reading here. I'm, I'm reading here. But uh, the, the filmmakers, uh, n- no one internal knew that Bob Iger was in talks with George Lucas to buy Star Wars. And once that was done, it eliminated any incentive to complete the film franchise. Uh, effectively, the film was dead before it hit the cinema, as far well, as Disney like the was whole concerned. Thing with yeah. Dark Phoenix and Captain Marvel, isn't it? Like... Yeah. Oh, Dark Phoenix could have been really good, but Disney were like, no, we've just brought Fox and our superhero movie has an ending in space. So this new one we've bought can't have an ending in space. Cut the end off and have the ending on a train. Uh, look, but I'm just going to say is, like, Fox, Fox yeah. and superhero films. <laughs> look, actually, most of the Fox have more better than worst X-Men movies. But the guy that fucked up the Phoenix saga the first time really shouldn't have been given the second chance to do it a second time. Like that was I a mean, choice. You're not wrong. But my point was Disney have precedent in this area. Um, so, yeah, I would agree. Like Disney just decided we don't care we'll make a loss on John Carter we've got this uh, much bigger thing now that we care much more about so whatever mm. yes, yeah because it's, so, it's clearly not hurt their bottom line uh, in, in the following decade <laughs> no and actually they didn't need it why have the original why have the inspiration for Star Wars when you could have actual Star Wars it was a known quantity and as we know they're all about getting people into their parks and selling merchandise and there's one thing we know more than anything else about star wars is it sells merchandise and can we also just acknowledge they released the film they didn't do what warner brothers did and just uh, say look, look, you know what not, we're just not, not bothering we're just gonna bin it they, they they still released it yeah they did um i think the the other so john carter yeah, I think they 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 fucked their own movie over. I think they knew what they were doing by the end of it. I can understand why everyone had lost complete interest in working on that movie. I would, if I was working on John Carter and I just found out that Disney had brought fucking Star Wars, I probably wouldn't be that. I'd be like, oh great, awesome, can I can I work on a Star Wars movie? <laughs> what if we just stick a lightsaber in it? Do you think they'll do you think they'll be interested then? Um, the second movie, I think Disney absolutely screwed over with their marketing is Lightyear. Once again, Pixar film, but we're splitting hairs there. It's Disney. But this one, I agree with you. I think Lightyear is a very confused film. I like it a lot, but it's it's not the film it's purporting to be. Yeah, like I really enjoyed Lightyear, but I remember my stepdad, I think, rang me. And the uh, my stepdad was like, what the hell did I just watch? That really wasn't what I was expecting. And I was like, well, what were you expecting? And he's like, Toy Story like it's the next Toy Story right and I was like yeah but no it's the film that retrospectively Toy Story is meant to be based on but I was gonna say that that film is purported to be the film which made Andy want to go and buy the Buzz Lightyear toy and kind of launch that franchise 
yeah. uh, no, no film, no, no kid is watching that film in 1995 and then saying, oh, I want that action figure. They, they should have done the Buzz Lightyear cartoon series, which was a much better representation of the sort of thing yes! that kids would have been interested in. <laughs> yeah, it, it was weird because, you know, we came out of that and the toy the child wanted was socks. Like, <laughs> he did not come out of that going, oh, I want a Buzz Lightyear figure. He's like, I want socks. That'd socks be, is cool. Toy Story would be really different if it was Woody and socks rather than Woody <laughs> and Buzz. <laughs> I'd still watch funny. it though. I'd watch that. Film. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. I feel like you get some holy mishmash between the fifty millionth Shrek installment of uh, Puss in Boots and the original Toy Story. Yeah. I... So basically, uh, Woody is now Shrek, and Socks is Donkey. Is that where we're going with this? I, I'm I'm confused. You see, what they should have done with Lightyear is they should have done. They should have presented it what it actually is. Is it's a remake of the film that inspired Andy to buy. Buzz Lightyear, you know it, it. It's it's a remake of a film that was made in the nineties. It's it's it's, it's the it's, film Andy made when he grew up and became a film director in yeah. homage. Yes, yeah, that's that, absolutely that, what it yeah. is. And, and that that would work as a better story. I, I mean, we're, we're kind of splitting hairs about it, but because they kind of pushed that aspect of it so much, but it is the story which inspired Andy to get this, and because of the kind of film Toy Story is, you know, Lightyear has. It, it is not that film at all. I think they they massively mismarketed um, Lightyear, and it didn't and it didn't make sense, which is a shame because it could have made lots of sense and it was a decent movie and it had lots of really cool, again, kind of slightly nostalgic ish science fiction nods um, to other science fiction franchises, and it was just a good movie. But I think. What we have there is an example where Disney are trying to lean onto an existing franchise to market a film that perhaps shouldn't have been marketed as such. If, if they'd have just made an original science fiction story. But they can't make original science fiction. That's what this whole fucking podcast is telling us, that they can't make original science fiction. No, they, they, they can make original science fiction. They just can't brand it as Disney. Yes. Or market it. Yes. The films themselves are good. Yep. How Disney brand them and market them is not. Yes. Disney fail at doing their side of the deal. The actual film, the film is good. Thumbs up. Except Tends to be good. Mars Needs Mums, which is appalling. Yeah, but that I was mean... early and let's just wash over it. So even though we're coming to uh, the, near the end of the podcast, uh, something that we have not talked about is the uh, big blue... Uh, white saviour complex in the room uh, known as Avatar which we all now know is owned by Disney uh, which is horrifying science fiction, do we think it's the big science fiction saviour of Disney does it really count because it's released under the 20th century Fox banner I was going to say it's it's they're maintaining the 20th century brand once again to kind of differentiate it from Disney because the other big kind of science fiction uh, franchise they have under that banner is Alien and they're doing another alien film and another alien series. So, I mean, hashtag I mean, they also have, princess, but... Um... Um, <laughs> they also have the Predator series yeah. under that. Um, so, yeah, Fox has some great adult science fiction. And Prey um, was fantastic. Please give me more of that. Uh, look, I don't think any film has ever had quite the same uh, amount of money for lack of cultural impact. You know, I, I can't think of anything else that's made as much money as Avatar has made and had as little impact culturally as that film. And the fact we now have another one about to come out and 
I, I, I have less than zero excitement about it. And it's not because I'm hating on the film or James Cameron or anything like that. I'm, you know, he makes amazing films. They're spectacular. But it, I just look at that film and I'm going like, there's, there's a hole where the excitement for this is meant to be for me. And I, it's not there. So what's really funny is, sorry, I've just Googled uh, when Avatar was released. Yeah, 2009, which I did know, and I'll tell you why I remember that in a second. But they've got Avatar 2, The Way of Water. They've got three is coming out in 2024, four is coming out in 2026, and five is coming out in 2028. And they look more and more like the Asylum Sharknado movie posters the more you look at them. Hmm. Like devaluing quality. Clearly, they're telling some overarching arc here about Palpatine and how they returned. Um, somehow. 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 Um, my problem is, as you say, Avatar, like Game of Thrones, it has such such little cultural impact after the fact. In fact, Game of Thrones has more cultural impact after the fact, I would say. Well, it- I, I, think, I think we have to revert people to the episode on how to, to end a series there because Game <laughs> of Thrones had a huge amount of cultural impact until it fucked the ending. And everyone was like, we are actively going to forget this thing ever existed. Yeah. Um, I think Zoe's forgotten this podcast existed. She's disappeared somewhere. I'm here, but you're quite happily waffling. And I've fallen down the Disney store because proving that Facebook listens to everything we say, <laughs> it's now advertising me Disney clothes and I found some I liked. So bye. <laughs> um, Avatar is a crap movie with a crap message and a crap storyline. And it's got a huge white savior complex that really... I think was borderline inappropriate in 2009. And I'm really interested to see now in 2022, how they are going to make amends of that message. I mean, what's going to be interesting is we know that this Marvel, you know, is kind of the Kevin Feige is, is the King of Marvel and kind of dictates Disney's strategy when it comes to, to the films there. And Kathleen Kennedy kind of runs the Star Wars side of it. But I don't think on the Fox side, it's the same because Fox is kind of another studio rather than a production house. Fox makes more films than just Avatar. So I don't... Well, Fox yet... doesn't have a central franchise. Marvel is centred around the Marvel characters in the Marvel yeah. universe. And same with Star Wars. Fox is, as you say, like original Disney. It is a production company that they purchased. Yeah. So I just don't, I don't yet know if we have a sense of how Disney will market 20th century, what used to be Fox films going forward and, and, and what is their kind of overarching approach to those. And and that will kind of, you know, feed it, you know, how, how hard are Disney going to push Avatar? I mean, they're going to push it a lot, but are they going to push it as a, as they would have Disney product or are they going to push it as um, uh, how they push Star Wars stuff? I mean, I'm imagining there's an Avatar world opening at a Disney park sometime soon. So, yeah, but there's not a lot of Avatar that translate but translates particularly easily into park material, which is a problem they have with a lot of science fiction. Star Wars is easy because they're generic humans, and you can mod buildings and stuff to look Star Warsy quite quickly. Marvel is set mostly in modern day, relatively Earth as uh, Earth or earth adjacent and again is just people in suit avatar the anthropomorphically they are different to humans they are taller they're longer they're thinner they're blue it's not uh, it's it's it, pandora the world of avatar is opening in the animal kingdom 
Yeah, and they've already got loads of stuff on the Disney store uh, for Avatar, like adult clothing and stuff. So, you know, mm. they're they're fully prepared for this. I think yeah. they're going to do Avatar the way they do Star Wars. Avatar's probably going to make like a t- shit ton of money because for some reason the first one did. And I don't quite know why, but I'm sure this one will too. Plus, it's probably the only thing out of the cinema at uh, Christmas time, as you say. But um, everyone's just gone to see Black Panther and people don't have the huge amounts of disposable income at the moment. Uh, true, but I still think it's. I, I I don't think Avatar two is going to become the highest grossing film of all time. I I don't think that's going to happen, but I think it's probably going to be one of the highest grossing films of this year. I reckon it's probably going to pull in at the end of the day about a billion dollars worldwide. Um, yeah, I would expect so. And I think it's you know Disney will market this film, and you know they're already doing so because. It feeds into their core business of it's a land in their park. It it worldwide as well. It's in the park in China as well. It it has the kind of appeal on that side. Uh, so yeah, Avatar will do that. But kind of bringing us back around to your point at the beginning, Disney can't make science fiction. It's not going to be a Disney branded film. I mean, even if it does have a Disney castle at the beginning, it's not really a Disney film, is it? It's it's not princesses and fairy tales and, and musical things in there uh but the money's well, going to go yet, to the shareholders at the end of the day and that's what yet they again care about. they've they've bought in they've bought in the money franchise oh no i think they're just going to literally lift their star wars game plan wholesale and just stick it onto this yeah like why you know something's broken not broken even and it's it not like the Star Wars, Wars team have got any other films to be working on at the minute, is it? <laughs> well, true. I mean, we're not due another um, Marvel movie until February, uh, middle end of February. Oh, wow, a whole, like, two months. Yeah, but, I mean, that's four months after the last one. So they're, they're kind of going at the moment every four months, three, four months. Um, but they have put... None of those are hitting the Christmas time slot, which they have clearly set aside for Avatar. Mm-hmm. I guess. Um, yeah, I think it's going to, I think you're right. I think they're going to take the Star Wars method of doing stuff and just completely wholesale port that over to Avatar. I don't think it's going to work, but I think that's what they're going to do. And I think that almost actually brings us full circle if we think about Strange World and the, did they intend to put this out in the cinema or not? I wonder if one of the reasons they kind of put it out is because they knew it wasn't going to be one of their live or die movies, it was just going to be something that existed. They've got Avatar coming out. That's going to be their big thing. They hope. They hope. Well, and but all actually, the Marvel films as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but over the Christmas period. Mm. Um, like, yeah, we want to go. everyone to go see Avatar. But, you know, once they've seen Avatar, unless they want to see it again, it's nice to have something else out there. There's, it, you know, this is the slot where generally people are going to go see films because it's cold and dark and wet outside, so you go in and see a film. So actually sticking Strange World out there, if it doesn't cost them anything, it, it's kind of a nice net additive to give people another option. And I think if they are concerned about people deeming it too woke, actually burying it between two of their big franchise tentpoles means it's poor performance. People can blame on different things. We can blame it on the fact that they've done piss or marketing and other people can blame it on the fact it's too woke. It kind of keeps everybody happy while pleasing nobody. Uh, isn't that the definition of compromise? <laughs> well, yeah. 
but they don't need it to be a success because they've just had Black Panther Wakanda forever and they've just got Avatar The Shade of Blue coming out. So, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's taking the filler slot in between. They haven't had to throw a lot of money at it. They haven't had to spend a lot of money on marketing. People who like Disney will go see it. People with kids, you know, might go see it if they stumble over an advert for it. But it doesn't really matter. But at least... The people who go see it are still putting money into the Disney powerhouse. Yeah, And Disney Plus have another film which will be out in the new year and they'll be able to market that to the rafters. Yeah, it just gives them constant stuff to drop onto Disney Plus. And as we all know, Disney don't make art, they make content now. Disney are a content machine, not an art house. Yeah. Excellent. I think that's probably it for another episode. Um, I think I'd like to thank my guests, Andy and Zoe, uh, for coming on the show again. Um, have either of you got anything you'd like to shamelessly plug before you go? Uh, I mean, I will plug the Strange Worlds novels, mainly because the author's lovely um, and they've been getting lots of hate on the internet at the moment because all of the people who are accusing Strange World of being too woke have been targeting poor L.D. Levinsky saying their novels are obviously a bunch of trash if they create this film. They're not related in the slightest, but poor L.D. has been getting lots of hate for it. So, um, you know, if you have young people in your lives or you happen to like kind of uh, YA and, and younger fiction, Actually, the Stranger Worlds novels are fantastic and should be read. And, you know, give them to children for Christmas and all of that kind of stuff. And just give LD some love because they've been getting so much hate on the internet at the moment. I, I, I feel for some reason I should probably plug Strange New Worlds, which is a fantastic Star Wars, uh, Star Trek series, uh, which has a similar name. Because uh, that seems to be what we're doing here. But I, I won't be so flippant, but you should watch Strange New Worlds because it's fantastic. And it has Anson Mount in it. And he has amazing hair. Anyway, uh, where was I? Ah, yes, uh, I do podcasts. Uh, I do a podcast called The Great Derelict. And sometimes Zoe and Rachel come on then. And then Rachel makes it very difficult for me to edit. So turnabout has been a lot of fun today. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I just recorded an episode last night about Bollywood and science fiction, uh, which uh, went very well. And that's being released this week. Uh, and last week uh, I did a couple of episodes where I just had people send me music and I played that and they're the best episodes that we do so just go and listen to those ones it's just awesome music for like an hour and a half uh, someone recommended The Immigrant Song and so it's probably going to get taken down at some point so go and listen to it while you can excellent Zoe we're blaming you for that one yeah I was just like oh that was me sorry <laughs> you can find the Narrative Labyrinth on Twitter oh for now who knows how long that's going to last Apple Podcasts Spotify Audible and a host of other uh, podcast based platforms as well as other social media platforms uh, Mastodon are we using that Hive does anyone know where we're going help Twitter's falling apart so once again my name's Rachel this has been the Narrative Labyrinth and thank you very much for listening goodbye oh bye Bob bye Bob